We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Everybody, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And joining me is the one and only, ladies and gentlemen, it's Michael Finley Focci. Focci, what's going on, brother? Hey, Finley had a run for a bit. He did. He was solid. But man, I'm back. Feels good. Never want to miss an episode. I celebrated the birthday over the weekend. So missed uh missed an ever. Maybe was it two? I don't know. Either way, the <laughs> Pacers did skip a beat. The boys are on a winning streak. Alex, it's a fun time to be talking about this team. Yeah, you just missed one. One of the other ones we uploaded was from the Blue and Gold, so mm-hmm. you're good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you couldn't join me on a Friday night's post game show because you were out celebrating your birthday and you got a really cool Pacers uh, setting the pace hat, I should say. Yep, from, yep, that it from did a, from a good friend. So you sent me a pic, and it is very, very nice. So shout out to your friend for doing that. If you want to give a name, that'd be perfectly fine right now. Hey, my man Brian Roeder, long, long time day one. We met back in second grade, still friends. Wow. Twenty five years later. Wow, that's pretty dope. So that is that's that's really cool though, Fotch. So, you know, this game right here, Fotchy, the Pacers pull out a very close one. 114-113, thanks to the offensive rebound of Aaron Neesmith and knocking down two free throws in the clutch. Easily his best game. And I know you were just going through the roof crazy excited to see your boy Aaron Neesmith going off in this game on both ends of the floor. I got to tip my hat as much as one man could possibly tip a hat because <laughs> Neesmith, this was amazing. I mean, you can make an argument that he might have been the best pacer out there. I know other guys had better stats. No, Albert he was the player him. of the exactly, game. Exactly, exactly. Look, it, it goes past the 19 points. He led the Pacers as a plus 17. That offensive rebound right there was everything. Hitting the free throws in the clutch, five of eight from three. 
Alex, I looked it up. The 19 points were a career high. A career high. How about that? I feel like Neesmith is a guy that needed that performance ever since coming back from injury, needed to really have a statement performance, and he finally got it. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, he only played 25 minutes, too, which is pretty impressive. And I think Rick Carlisle brought up a really good point. He said, we don't have time to get better during the game. We do that before and after the game and at practice. He said, so one thing that O'Shea Brissett's been doing is he's been finding the spots where he's going to get better looks. He said Aaron Neesmith is starting to do the same thing. He's finding the spots on the court where he's going to get better shots. I thought that was great insight to kind of maybe like why he might have been struggling because we've been looking at it from a dis- like from a distance, right? Like, man, these shots aren't going in. Like, he just looks out of rhythm. What's going on? I think he went, like, scoreless in the last game, right? So uh, I think it was the Rockets or the one against the Hornets. There was one that he didn't play very well in. So it was just like, man, a guy can't catch a break. And then he comes out and just plays lights out in this game and, and was was huge for this team, Fachi. We know he's been one of the better defenders, right? And that's why he's still getting playing time. But at this point on offense, he had become such a negative it was better to play an O'Shaver set, right? So I, I think this is where you got to tip your hat, like you said, to, to Aaron Neesmith, but also to Rick Carlisle for, for continuing to trust in a young player like Neesmith to figure it out. And uh, overall, I mean, Carlisle said that there was a, a thought in his mind of putting Neesmith in the starting lineup with the second unit or with the um, with the starters to start the second half. And he said he decided to keep it the same way and, and continue to let him play in that role. And that's one thing we've talked about for the last, you know, since Carlisle came back, it is letting guys figure out their role instead of putting them in and out of the starting lineup and stuff like that. So I thought that was a great decision by Carlisle to keep him in that same uh, role so he can keep that same rhythm. Yeah, that was fantastic. And Alex, it was actually worse than he thought. He had actually been scoreless in three of his previous four games. Ooh, but yeah. Carlisle continuing to have faith, that's what you like to see because we've seen at, at times the short leash with – you know, no shape or set, or maybe like a Goga or something like that, uh, where it's nice that Neesmith has been able to play through this. And a game like last night w- was awesome. We talked about it last time you and I recorded together. Against Charlotte, even though he went scoreless, he-, he dove for a rebound on the floor. He's making big plays at times, which is great because at the end of the day, it- it's a team game, and they all need to get comfortable in their roles no matter what it may be. And right now, they're clicking. I feel like this is a team that you've seen that in the past, if they fell behind, kind of felt like it was over. This Pacers team, it feels like, unfortunately, they fall behind, but they've been a great second-half team doing what you need to do to get the job done. This Magic game reflected it. The Rockets game reflected it. I mean, the last few have, and I love what I'm seeing right now fighting through adversity at times. No, you're you're exactly right, and I want to say this, too. I thought this was a great tweet. From Gary Walter, I, I posted, you know, Neesmith stats, whatever, and just giving him praise for what he did. But he said, uh, if you look at our 2020, you know, players we acquired from that draft, right? So Halliburton, Jalen Smith, Aaron Neesmith, he said that was 55 points, 12 rebounds, and 14 assists from our trio. He said that's wow. a, that's our future core right there, you know. Throwing Benedict Matherin right there, of course, with uh, Isaiah Jackson and Duarte having – sure, but like – that was just really cool to see that our, our our three guys from that draft class went 55, 12, and 14 in this game, and they were all pivotal into how we won. And I think, you know, Aaron Neesmith obviously deserves the, the praise here first, but we got to give praise to Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, got his foot stepped on by Usman Garuba, was very questionable to play in a back-to-back. Rick Carlisle said they asked him several times, are you sure you're okay? Are you sure you're okay? And he went through all the testing, and he said he wanted to play. He insisted on playing, and Carlisle said, 
I will say this about Tyrese Halliburton. In a league where guys are sitting out any chance they can get, 90% of guys would have chosen to sit out and miss this game to make sure their ankle was healthy. He said Halliburton wasn't going to allow this ankle injury to keep him out of playing this game. He insisted on playing, and that's what makes him special. And I loved hearing that from Carlisle. I absolutely love it, too. I mean, there was I was not confident that Halliburton was going to play in this game. I really felt that it didn't make much sense for him to play in the game. Like, hey, you're coming off. You know, it's going to be a back-to-back. Like, at this point, like, give the man some rest. I don't know, whatever. He comes out and he balls out. The 22 and 14, I mean, three blocks. I mean, nails a, a, a behind half-court shot at the buzzer for the, and, the, and the first half. This guy is everything that you could possibly embody in a franchise player right now. And I feel like this is what they mean when they say lead by example, because we're not asking everybody to play hurt, but when your star point guard is doing it, it kind of sends a certain level of expectation of, hey, look, if you can't walk, don't play. But, you know, if you can move around, give it a shot. And I think right over there, that's what we haven't seen in previous years with no offense, like a Malcolm Brogdon or, you know, a, a player like that. Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, Scott Agnes did a great job getting a pair, a picture of Tyrese Halliburton's shoes and, and, you know, making a very good observation, right? Halliburton is used to playing in low-top Kobe's, right? Mm-hmm. So he switched to some high-top uh, Nike. I forget what kind of shoe they are. I apologize. But, you know, Scott asked him about that in the press conference, and he was like, oh, yeah, I had to change them up because – you know, uh, I got to put some support on my ankles, you know, going off this scary ankle injury. And he had one not too long ago, I think, last Saturday against the Raptors. So, mm-hmm. you know, just being smart with it. But overall, loved his game, loved the half-court shot that he had in the first quarter. Or was it was that not a second quarter? I can't even remember yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, Matherin had the one at the end of the first quarter, right? So uh, Matherin with the buzzer beater as well, doing the, the Chris Duarte special. And so, yeah, this was yep. a this was a really back-and-forth game, Fachi. I felt like the Magic, their big men gave us problems early on, and the Pacers were kind of able to calm them down towards the end. But I just felt like watching last night's game, and this is no knock on the Pacers, it just felt like when Franz Wagner was out there, he was the best player on the court. Yeah, I mean, look, here, here's the thing. I'm very happy we beat the Magic. The Magic were also without quite a few players. I believe it was about – about close to seven players missed this game for uh, for the the Magic. So mm-hmm. overall, between Franz, between Mo Bamba, between Bol Bol, I mean they're they're yeah. I, I've uh-huh. always had a soft spot for that man, and I'm happy to see that he's playing really well. They got a, they got a really what? tall lineup. Why would why did you have such a soft spot for Bol Bol? Talk to me about this. Dude, because coming into Oregon, he it just seemed like this is a guy that was basically like a top five recruit. You knew that obviously his dad was Manute Bol, but this who did he play like, for? Uh, the uh, the the Bolts back in the day. Uh, a few <laughs> uh, a few a couple other teams. I know you're trying to draw a connection <laughs> to the Wizards. Like yeah, I mean yeah, that's the, why you have a soft Bullets. spot for him. No, not at all. Bol Bol, this this dude, this guy slipped to the forties, yeah, and was never bad. really got a chance with the Nuggets. That was rough. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing him ball out in Orlando. That's awesome to see. I mean, Bol Bol is balling right now. Uh, hey, I mean, Quinn Buckner even threw out a Victor Wimbanyama re- uh, comp. <laughs> it's a oh Bol. my god! Wow. He, he was like, I haven't seen a big guy move this, you know, fluently before. You know. There's been a lot of talk about that Wimbenyama. Some of you know him as Wimby. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he just went straight into it. I was like, Quinn's going deep on this one, you know. Yep. I mean, Bull Bull looked great, though. I mean, he, he had some step-back threes. He was cashing stuff. Like, 
looked really good. I mean, uh, no doubt about it. He's still got a thin frame, obviously. Oh, yeah. But Always will. This is where we kind of talk about where you get draft, drafted to matters, right? Big time. And, and Denver, they've done a good job of finding, you know, diamonds in the rough and being able to make moves to get the right players there. I mean, they've done a good job. I and mean, found Jokic in the second round. So not going to discredit them, but just the roster construction probably at the time didn't allow for Bull Bull to really get into the, the rotation. Very similar to like what Goga went through here, right? Yep. So goes to Orlando. They've had some injuries. Jonathan Isaac, uh, you know, they just can't stay healthy. And and, and they like those long wing players. So congrats to Bull Bull. I mean, I just, I thought this Orlando team played really well. And there was a time I'm like, man, we're going to lose this game. Like yeah. they were just, they were just attacking us. And, uh, you know, it was back and forth, very back and forth, you know, love the fight from the Pacers. But overall, I think the Pacers were just smart enough towards the end. And I think this is the difference between having a guy like Tyrese Halliburton who can take over a game at the end and then trying to find that guy that can do that for the Magic. Like Wagner was playing with a hurt hand. I think he came out a little bit towards the end of the game. And, you know, they're trying to find that closer. And, and without having Paulo out there, you know, Jalen Suggs is, is getting better. I just still think he's not on that same level in terms of, you know, being that guy to facilitate and set up people like Tyrese Halliburton. No, he's definitely not. And look, I liked Suggs coming out of college. Felt like he could be very good. Still could be very good. But yeah, it's just um, rarely do you, you know, franchise point guards, true point guards like Tyrese Halliburton simply do not grow on trees. So when you look at this one, Halliburton chipping in the, the 14 assists, sounds crazy to even say chipping in. But it's like that's why the Pacers have consistently been right around that 28 to 30 assist mark per game, which I've always felt is like the key to, to winning basketball. And I, I feel like right over there, you're talking about earlier in the episode about guys being able to get to the right spots where they can make shots at a higher percentage. I mean, who better to find you than Tyrese Halliburton right now, the NBA's assist leader. Yeah. And last night he was the Pacers shot block leader with three. So yep. it's like he was, he was, on he was on fire last night. You know, some people might push back on my Franz Wagner was the best player on the court last night comment, but I just felt like Franz is kind of put in a tough spot here with this Magic team because I just don't love their roster altogether. Like uh, when they're healthy, I like them a lot better, obviously, when they have Paolo and they have uh, Wendell Carter Jr., right? But like not having those two guys, they're just trying to plug and play. Like Chuma Kiki was just fine. Like, you know, I, I thought Mo Bamba had a good game, but like Schofield was not good in his minutes. So it, it was a it was a very, like you said, Bocci, beat up Orlando Magic team, and we took advantage of them. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to bring this up, too. I, I put it out on Twitter, and I didn't really get, like, a huge response from it, but Benedict Matherin almost looked a little bit tired last night in the game, and I and I think we've talked about this before where the multiple games over times you're going to catch up with these guys, and I don't know if it's, like, by design that he's trying not to be, like, overly aggressive all the time, if it was just a matchup against Orlando having bigger wings than playing a little bit more zone than we had seen, but, like, he looked decent when he came in in the, in the first stint, and they subbed him back in with like three minutes left in the second. And it just looked like he was like going at half speed and, and kind of coasting more than we've seen where he's been super aggressive. So I don't know if that's something that you've noticed or not in that game, but it just felt like it was there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, for instance, against Orlando, seven of his 12 shots were three-pointers. Compared mm -hmm. to him, maybe more, you know, being more aggressive, taking it in the paint, getting to the free throw line. I mean, only two free throws against Orlando compared to eight in his previous against Houston, you know, six against uh, Charlotte and Toronto, as well as Denver. And 
most of the time he's been getting the line more. So, yeah, I guess you're right. It's something I hadn't really noticed as much, but he has not been as aggressive the last two games, but still getting up his double-figure shots, which is great to see. Just unfortunately, the last two games haven't been vintage Matherin, and we know this will happen along the year. Being a rookie, you are playing a little bit more often, but, hey, I I hope uh, there's plenty more in the tank because only 15 out of 82 games deep on the season. This man's got a long way to go. Yeah, and I mean, maybe he's just been going so hard for so long, like since he's been throughout the draft process, right? Summer league and then trying to get ready for the season. Like, I'm sure he's put a lot of miles on his legs (laughs) that he's not used to doing, And, and it's a lot different than a college season. And we know that rookies will eventually hit a wall when they have to kind of just like reset and stuff. But like, if you've noticed a lot of his threes that he's missing, they're short, they're not long. So that tells me that he's got tired legs and, you know, Carlisle has not been playing him a ton of minutes. Like he played 27 last night. I think when he got ejected, Carlisle, that is against the Rockets, I think they went to Matherin early, but I mean, was it the, the, the Hornets game where he had like 19 points in like 22 minutes. Yep. So that's, they're being very cautious with his minutes. And I think that's, Part of it, knowing like how much Chris Duarte wore out, and he did and, uh, wear out last year, and he, he acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if it was last night, they're, they're running together now. I don't know if it was against the Magic or the Rockets, but there was a play where Mathern got hit in the shoulder, and he kind of rubbed it for a little bit, yep. and played through it. So I don't I don't necessarily know if that's something to monitor as well, but some Duarte PTSD yes, right there. Yes, and I mean I saw him rubbing it like a little stinger. Don't know if that's affecting a shot or not. I'm just. I'm just observing little things, and I'm not trying to, like, make a hot take. I'm just kind of monitoring it. I'm just openly putting it out there because the last thing I want to see is Mather and Hurt and having lingering issues like Duarte had. Or if he's tired, maybe just – I mean, I don't say give him a game off because we don't want to do that. But, nah. you know, just just be careful. I just – I don't want him to uh, – I don't, I don't know how to say it, Fachi. I just don't want them to uh, – Overplay him. I don't want him to play too hard where he's like losing his confidence. I want him to still be confident in who he is as a player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and luckily, Matherin, you know, he's an overconfident individual, which I, I love that about him. So I, I do think he's going to be fine. I think that he'll give us a vintage performance now where we know that everything's all right. I think it's going to be, you know, think about this. This guy took his game to the next level in the NBA compared to college. So I think that uh, this, this was bound to happen. There'll be a couple of these. But overall, I mean, Look, they were, they were, speaking of Chris Duarte, now it's been about two weeks since he's been out on the, the four- to six-week timeline. Saw some video of him getting some shots up. Looks good, but I think the Pacers probably won't rush him back. If you had an idea of when Duarte comes back, I mean, who who do you think are the ones out of the lineup? Do you think O'Shea is just the one who, you know, we see leave the lineup after picking up his play lately? That's a good question. Um, I honestly can't even think about who it would be at this point. I mean, we know he's going to get the minutes, so – Maybe they just go a little bit deeper. O'Shea probably makes the most sense if you're going to go with somebody just because he's an expiring contract. You got Neesmith under contract for a while, which we've already talked about. Uh, maybe Nimhard takes a lesser role. I don't know. But I think Nimhard's playing too well to keep him out of the rotation. I mean, really, it's tough right now. So um, you could maybe talk me <laughs> You could maybe talk me into uh, reducing some of, uh, reducing some of uh, O'Shea's minutes, but other than that, I don't really think O'Shea deserves to be benched either. He's been playing awesome. I agree. I agree. I don't want to see him benched. I, you know, O'Shea just played 20 minutes. I feel like lately his minutes have been, you know, right around that that 15-ish. But I want to I want to pull it up. Be very specific. Yeah. So 20 minutes against Orlando, 18 against Houston, 21 against Charlotte, and then he had 18, uh, 15 minutes against Toronto. So 
He's played between 12 to 20 minutes uh, every game this month. So that's been awesome to see. But then does that minutes get dialed down to five or six or 10? That's when it becomes really tough for him to make a full impact in the game. But that's kind of something where it's better than not seeing O'Shea because we've talked about it. He's had some, some you know, we're not going to call massive plays, but he's, he's had some, some good moments lately. And, that's been great to see. But other than that, Alex, I mean, was there anyone in specific that maybe you wanted to hit on this performance? I mean, obviously we got 20 and 11 from Miles Turner. That's awesome to see as, as it relates to double-doubles. That's a double-double in five straight games. Uh, well, he didn't overall. have one against the Rockets Oh, on really? Friday. I think he had yeah? seven rebounds or eight rebounds. Let me let me, let me double-check into that. But yeah. <laughs> he, either, he either way, you're right. You're right. So, uh, hey, it's not five straight double doubles, but it is. Uh, I want to say it's five of the last six. Yeah, so, I mean, hey. apples and oranges. Who cares, right? But he's playing well. I mean, I, I think we're at the point now where we don't have to come on here every every pod, every post game, and talk about him having a double double like it's a surprise, right? Like you know, you about lost your mind. You said ten rebounds when I said he could average ten rebounds a game this year. You know, I mean. I'll just, I'll just put it this way. Miles is doing a terrific job at taking advantage of the switches that he's getting in the in the post when him and Halliburton run that pick and roll. A lot of teams, and Halliburton talked about this on the Reddick podcast, they're doing a great uh, – a lot of teams are switching everything, right? They're, they've gone to switching a lot. He said when they uh, play the Nuggets, you know, they were kind of doing more drop coverage because of Jokic, right? He's not someone you can switch on everybody. So there's going to be certain teams. Milwaukee plays drop coverage, but – a lot of teams are switching everything. So there was times I saw Jalen Suggs trying to guard Miles Turner on the post. Well, he does the right thing. He runs right to the rim, puts his hands up, says, give me the dang basketball. Tyrese finds him, and he puts it up. I mean, that's what Miles Turner needs to be doing when he gets those switches, and Tyrese is smart enough and crafty enough to get him the ball where he needs to get it. Now, there's been times where he scored over bigs. I'm not saying that he hasn't. He's got a nice soft touch around the rim. He had a really nice three that he splashed after Bull Bull splashed one. So, to kind of erase that. So, I mean, Miles is doing what Miles is supposed to do, and he's getting, given a bigger role, and I, I think that he's taking advantage of it and being more assertive. I think both the Pacers and Miles are in a perfect spot right now on the year. I mean, hey, you want you want to see both do well. You want to see Miles produce. You want to see the Pacers produce. I think it, it makes either him more valuable come trade time or it makes – a better case for the Pacers to look at potentially, you know, extending them. Either way, we're in a really good spot. Love to see all these players performing well right now. And then, Alex, let's just take a bigger look at things right now. Pacers are currently in the fifth spot at nine and six, mm-hmm. but they're also tied for fourth. This time last year through 15 games, the Pacers were six and nine. So mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing a solid improvement right now. I mean, what have been your thoughts right now as the, as the Pacers have won? Four straight games, looked at it, something they have not done since the 2019-2020 season pre-COVID. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This schedule early on has been easy like Sunday morning, Flash. Yes, it has. Last year, what did we hear before the season started multiple times about how tough the schedule was to start off? Mm-hmm. Carlisle, I've never seen such a tough schedule. They've only played three back-to-back so far. And they won all of them. They won all of them, undefeated on back-to-backs. Uh, they beat the Nets. They beat – who else did they beat? They beat the Nets, and they beat, obviously well, – The Magic, Magic recently, and then uh, – was it the Pelicans? Uh, no, I don't think it was the Pelicans. No, let me see. I'll it was on a Saturday. It. it was the Pistons after they lost to the Spurs okay. opening, opening week. Mm-hmm. That was their first win. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to them for coming out here and taking care of business on these back-to-backs. But they haven't had very many of them. And, like, these long stretches at home, like, you know, Rick Carlisle talked about it. He said, we're in a very good spot. Like, they're going to have eight of ten games at home, and their two games on the road were Charlotte and Houston. So it's not like they were far out West Coast trips either. So, you know, not too far of a flight, able to come back, be, uh, you know, be home for Thanksgiving week before they go out on their big West Coast road trip, which is just crazy, like seven games, something we've never seen, right? So it's – uh. That to me is the biggest difference in, in, in the overall scheme of things. But style of play is better, I think, with this group. Locker room chemistry is better with this group. Um, they finally have a leader in Tyrese Halliburton. Um, they have a young stud that they're looking forward to build with, with Benedict Matherin. And there's no expectations. I think you put all that together, and a lot of guys are going to have chips on their shoulders, right? That is going to lead to success. And you know they've they've won some games where they they probably shouldn't have won them. They've been able to compete in every single game this month. I mean, the month of November has been amazing for the Pacers. It's true, it really has. I mean, very much. When you're talking about the schedule so far, it, it is soft. I, I looked at it. The Pacers have beat uh, three teams with winning records so far. It's uh, it's not great. I mean, you got Washington, you got the Pelicans, and then you got um, oh my God, there was one other one. Uh, Toronto. So you, you got those, you got those three wins right over there. Not the best. You're talking about three out of nine wins. But hey, we can't change the schedule. So right now, one other stat that I thought was interesting: only two losses this year above seven points. 
for the most point, uh, the Pacers have been in a lot of games. I know seven's a weird metric, but it just felt like, hey, that was uh, you know pretty much coming down to just a, a matter of two or three possessions. Um, but overall, I mean, Alex, you posted some stats in the last 10 games that I thought were very impressive. Just to kind of kick it off, eight and two in the last 10. That's also that's the second best record in the league behind the Celtics being nine and one. We're also tied with the Kings of all teams at eight and two over the last 10. <laughs> but did you want to get into any of those stats that you posted? Yeah, I mean, I'll just read them off real quick. Um, and, I, and I'll bring up one negative that I didn't post with this group just because I was like, well, I mean, I'll just keep it positive. So sixth in offensive rating over the last 10 games. Seventh in defensive rating. That is where I was kind of most surprised because I wanted to see where they were at defensively because that's what we've been talking about. So for them to be in the top seven in both offense and defense was huge. But here's the big one, Flashy. Third in net rating with a plus 5.2 over Ooh. the last 10 games. They are fifth in pace. That's a lot of you know running, right, at 101.6. Fifth in true shooting percentage at 60.2. They're third in three-pointers made. Second in assists, thank you, Tyrese Halliburton. Mm -hmm. Fourth in blocks, thank you, Miles Turner and Jalen Smith. And the one where I was going to say they're bad, unfortunately, they're still in the bottom third of the NBA in rebounding. So yeah, 21st, yeah. I think, is what it was over the last 10 games. So it's like they're making threes at a high clip. They're playing at a fast pace. And they're passing the ball really well. And their defense is getting better. So those four things are overcoming their rebounding woes. And, you know, I think if you looked at, like, turnovers or whatever, like, they're, like, middle of the pack. So it wasn't, like, top 10 stuff, so I didn't post it. But, like, still, average on the on the turnovers, which is fine, and, and could be better rebounding. But overall, I mean, they're just playing a modern style of basketball, and they're playing it successfully. Like, last night, we didn't talk about it, but Buddy Hill was 5 of 10 from the field, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But he had mm -hmm. 5 of 9 from 3. Five yeah. of 12, and he shot 11 three-pointers, right? So yeah. five of 11 from three, one two-pointer. So it's like, that's all these guys are doing is shooting. I know. I agree. So, we got shooters this year. We yeah. really do. I, uh, I, I've i been enjoying this style of play compared to, to last year with the slower Brogdon, you know. Sabonis a little bit slower, right? And uh, it was Karis LeVert. He'd hog the ball and slow the offense down. Like, just guys that were more like, ah, just didn't feel like a connective team and now you've got Halliburton just dishing out as many assists as he has points almost. So you're you're in a good you're in a good spot if you're the Pacers. Hey, you really are because you, you talked about some of the stuff on the court. Well, off off the court, I mean, this was Halliburton a quote that he had after the Magic game. We're growing together as a group, getting better every day, becoming closer on and off the floor. That's allowed us to trust each other and play uh, and play these games. And I just feel like it's so true that it's just. They know what they got to do. They're all on the same page. There's not a this guy's trying to get this amount of stats for his contract or anything of that. And then even Carlisle talked about the team chemistry, saying these guys have fun together. They pull for each other, and we have a very good locker room chemistry. Tyree sets the tone for a lot of that, but it's not just him. James Johnson, who you don't hear much about, has given us a very strong locker room presence. Imagine a lot of stuff that goes on there. Make sure that guys are thinking the right way and we're ready to play. Super supportive, always saying the right things. And uh, has been an asset for us. So you're talking about guys that aren't even contributing on the court or making a major impact in the locker room. I have not heard a positive thing about a Pacers locker room in years. <laughs> we, we've heard interesting. Al Jefferson. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about basically 2017 at that point. It's five yeah. years ago. 
So it's interesting how much time has passed since we've heard about a locker room like this. These guys look like they're having fun. I'm having fun watching this team right now. I mean, it's just crazy for those of you that wanted to be picking amongst the you know the draft board. Look, I know that is still very appealing, but you can't say that you hate seeing these wins because I just don't have it in my team to be like lose, lose, lose. We we, we make a comeback like this, and we got you know Neesmith on the line going for the win. It's like how does that not get you say I want this? So whatever <laughs> ends up happening, hey, I'm here for the win, the loss. But for right now, the players are having fun, the fans are having fun. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and winning is getting the more recognition, and that's nope. what you want. You want this team to be noticed, and you want people to be like, wow. The Pacers are actually a winning team right now, and they're playing winning basketball. Like you said, Fachi, second-best record in the month of November. I mean, they're just playing great. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, Rick Carlisle, I love that quote that he brought up about uh, James Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those things we've we've noticed and we've heard from talking to different people, but for Carlisle to come out and say that publicly, I thought that was great because now, now fans realize what me and you have been talking about when we've been begging for the Pacers to get a, an adult in the locker room to handle business. Y- you think the Goga stuff with uh, Greg Foster goes down the way it does if James Johnson is on the bench? Never. No way. You think that we have special lunches being reported on with Bjorkren and, and Brogdon having lunch together and players feeling jealous? Like, nah, none of that happens <laughs> if you have someone that's been kind of almost like a player coach. Like, you know, James Johnson got a quick two-minute run there against the Rockets just because everything was not working for this team, right? And, and it was just it was just hilarious to me to, like, see Carlisle do that. But uh, at the same time, we, uh, we know this Pacers team is headed in the right direction. They're very focused on building a culture, Fachi. And at the end of the day, we can worry about wins and losses later down the road. I don't think any team really starts intentionally tanking and positioning themselves until they realize they're going to be eliminated final month and a half, two months of the season. All the teams that everybody said were going to be bad are playing pretty well. Yeah, no, it's true. And, I mean, the NBA will end up shaking itself out. We're starting to see the Spurs, a team that kind of started out pretty hot, look, you know, awful. Like the Spurs. Um, <laughs> exactly. Looking more like people expected. They're now 6-11 and 11 after a hot start. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, you see like Golden State was kind of in the gutter. Like they'll crawl its way out. There's other teams that will even itself out. Eventually, you know, Brooklyn's going to get it together. You imagine Miami that was the one seed last year. It looks like they'll, you know, pull it together. Philly's banged up. It's just a lot of weird stuff's going on in the NBA right now. We're mixed into that weird group, but I love it right now. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that, you know, we're think about this. We're tied with Cleveland right now. At nine and six, a team that just went all in for Donovan Mitchell, you know, paid Darius Garland a, a monster contract, like paid Jared Allen a hundred million dollars, and we have the same record as them. It and we own their pick. It just shows that we're in a real good spot right now. That man, we got so many different avenues to go, but either one of them just feels to lead to a positive, higher ceiling, you know, opportunity for the Pacers. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's like right now, like you said, there's 67 games left, Flachi. Okay. We're we're approaching like the 20% mark of the season. There's still a lot of basketball left to be a played. Lot. And I feel like, and this is just maybe it's just me, but I feel like every day 
we're getting a notification from Shams or Woj about an injury to a star player. Yep. And it's unfortunate. I hate when this happens, but the Pacers have been the beneficiaries of that where most of the teams they've been playing have been without one of their starting players because of an injury. So, you know, not saying you discredit them for that, but it does play a factor. Like, uh, even the Rockets game, I felt like if your guy would have been out there, KPJ, oh, Kevin always, Porter Jr. Always I mean, have a soft spot. Oh, man. I mean, he killed us in the preseason. So I, I feel like he would have had somewhat of an impact just because he's a, a great shooter. And they were relying basically on Eric Gordon to carry him to the promised land. Jalen Green was terrible in that game. And they just look really young, right, like the Rockets. Like, you talk about teams that we thought were going to be, you know, in the same area as us. They've been bad. Detroit's been bad. You know, Charlotte, they were up big on us, and they, we ended up pulling that one out. Charlotte's not been playing very good. Orlando, they're 5-12. and 12. The Lakers are down there at the bottom five at 4-10, and 10, and we know they don't have their pick. So you have to wonder what they're going to be thinking. And then Chicago, I mean, they're 6-10, and 10, Fachi. And there's people saying with them they should blow it up already. So Oh, my God, they I, look bad. They I, look real they, bad. They do, but it's 16 games in. Like, let's just – but just calm down. Like I don't, I don't think we need to be freaking out one way or the other about like who's great and who's not great. Because I think last year or two years ago, like the Magic were like a, like the two seed in the Eastern Conference or the one yeah, seed. That was crazy, and everyone freaked out. Like look at Utah; they're twelve and six. They have the third best record in the NBA, first best record in the Western Conference. Like let's just calm down. It's not going to keep happening this way for an eighty-two game season. But at the same time, no matter how you look at it, Flashy, whether you're team tank or team try to make the playoffs. I'm team, let's enjoy as many wins as we can. Let's enjoy the development, and let's look at the bigger picture. Even if they fall to 7-8 in this draft, I still like a lot of players in it, and you never know what happens at the draft lottery. And that's what I think the Pacers are hoping for, that their good intentions, their their way of developing and going about this the right way will land them a top spot, and, and they'll get lucky on lottery night. I hope so. But one, one random thing I just want to touch on is, like, this is amongst the most – over the last couple of years, I'd say like three to four years or so, where non-Pacer fans have been texting me about the Pacers. Like, yo, you guys are fun. They're like, yo, that Matherin guy, man, he's really cool. Just just like guys that never pay attention to the Pacers are paying attention to a team that many were not expected to be paying much attention to. And that right over here is awesome because it's not like we're on national television a bunch of times. We already had our one nationally television game, But we're starting to make some noise through guys like Tyrese Halburn and Benedict Matherin and Miles Turner. It just feels like there's a lot going on right over here when, honestly, there wasn't expected to be much happening. So we just got to, just like you mentioned, sit back, enjoy it right now. It's like this is this is what we've been waiting for in terms of a fresh start. This feels like, the, like a, a true, like, you don't even want to call it a rebuild, but whatever it is, like they flipped the switch, and now there's a lot of hope, a lot of athleticism, a lot of energy, and a lot of fun going around. So I'm all for it. Totally agree, Fachi. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, no matter how you look at it, it's been fun, right? And you can't be upset with wins because these are great lessons. All these yeah. games have been close down the stretch. They have. And they're finding ways to, to pull them out. And it's like, I've seen like, you know, we've run that pick and roll with Tyrese and Miles, and it seems like there's no answer for it once they get that switch. And, you know, the only team I think that was able to kind of hold us off there on a, on a late-game situation was the Denver Nuggets, right? And, and they're yeah. a playoff battle-tested team. You know, we, we've, we've been outscoring teams in the fourth quarter like crazy, 
And you have to wonder, is that sustainable, right? Is this hot shooting sustainable? We got a lot of shooters. Carlisle said they're getting to the right spots. That's all great. Eventually, they're going to get cold. We know that. And it might not be for every game, but it might just be a game here or there. They get cold, and either they're going to have to find ways to win, <laughs> you know, like they did against Houston, or or they're just going to take a bad loss. But overall, you know, they've not seen much losing recently, and it's been great. It's been fun. And no matter how you look at it, if this team does make the playoffs, surprisingly, or they make the play-in game, it might be the worst-case scenario in terms of, like, not wanting to be in the middle. But I'm not worried about that because it's not like the roster is not built to succeed later on in, in, in the future. Exactly. The roster previously was not built to do that. So that's why if they make a play-in type situation – it's okay because it's good experience for these young guys. No doubt. It doesn't feel like a chips are pushed all in to make a play in game. It's like at this point, you're talking about the three first round picks that were owed the boatload of cap space that we got the average age of this team being like around 23 years old. I mean, everything right over there is set up to be sustainable. So it's not like this is a team that had a shorter window, like in previous years. So, you know, if they did end up, making the playing game that experience that you talked about would pay off forever because it would be not forever obviously but you know for the next couple (laughs) look it's not like it's going to change the course of the Pacers history we're going to hang a banner over the play-in but it would be great experience for Tyrese Halliburton playing in what would be the biggest series of his of his professional career thus far same with a guy like Matherin and, and just some of the other youth players over here. But one thing I wanted to mention before was that what I love is that the the young players on this team have actually started to be put in true make-or-break moments. Smith with the free throws. Nemhard guarding Tyler Hero at the end of the game for the last shot. Miles Turner going for the game-winning shot uh, against Denver. You know, mm-hmm. Matherin was in a battle of free throws at the end of the game you know, earlier in the season, it feels like a lot of different players have had that opportunity where the game's on the line. And that's the type of experience you want for a young team that could continue to grow into eventually being more of a contending team. So we're taking all the right steps right now. It's unfolding right in front of our eyes. So sit back and enjoy it while it happens. This is the beginning of something special. Man, I, I think that's a great way to wrap this podcast up, Fachi. You know, uh, this is it feels like this team is just different. I, I, I can't describe it enough. It just feels like a totally different team than I've ever been used to seeing in the past like 10 years. Like even the 17-18 season didn't feel as like different as this one, just because Agreed. like I don't know. It's just like with Tyrese Halliburton, it feels like there's a player that's ah, just like can't believe he's ours, right? You know, it's just like I can't believe it. It's it's so cool, and it's like I'm glad that Domas and the Kings are doing well too, so we don't have to sit here and, and try to bash one franchise versus the other for making the yeah. trade. I just love that Tyrese has been what this Pacers team needed, and I love what we've seen from so many other guys this season. It's just been really really cool. So, you have anything else to add before we wrap this up? No, I would just say, man, a four game winning streak this this early in the season. I did not expect it, so. At this point, it, it, I need to tell myself, hey, don't be surprised when we do play well uh, against some of the better teams in the league. But for right now, we all do have to pinch ourselves a little bit and say, hey, the schedule has been softer. Let's <laughs> see. We're going to learn a lot about this team over the next couple of weeks, in specific <laughs> that West Coast road trip. But for right now, it wouldn't be the worst thing if we happen to beat the Orlando Magic again. 
I mean, Charlotte, Houston, Orlando twice. <laughs> Not looking too good this season. What a stretch. I, I mean, mean <laughs> honestly. What did we but, say last Monday? We wouldn't be surprised if there's 10 and 6 by the end of it. Yeah, we, we didn't. And it wasn't, it wasn't you know, sounding overconfident or anything. It was just like, hey, look, you, you got problems if you go two and two in this series or, or one and three. So you yeah. wanted to finish it at least three and one. Cause look, Paulo's not even out there right now for the magic. So it's like, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> let's take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. I mean, we forgot that Jonathan Isaac still hasn't played for the magic in like three seasons. And exactly. then oh Markel God. Fultz wasn't out there either. Like another guard that can really help him call Anthony another guard. So it's like, there are some names we left off that we didn't bring up Gary Harris. Like you're talking about big rotation players, not playing for the magic and us barely winning by one. Like, Good win, but yeah, I know. schedule back to back. They were coming off a of back to back where they had an overtime win against the Bulls. So, you know, they were closer to Indy than we were. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, just one of those things. It's it's crazy though to think like ten and six at this point Ooh. where we had them. We probably had them at like four and sixteen or something. Yeah, you know, knowing how we were picking these games, but we'll uh, we'll see what really happens because. Later this week, Vachi, we'll talk about these games too, everybody. Hope you all have a great Thanksgiving week, by the way. We're going to have a ton of content for you before Thanksgiving. But, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, they got the Brooklyn Nets. And then the Friday after Thanksgiving, they've got the Minnesota Timberwolves before they go on that road trip. So those are going to be some tough teams. Kyrie Irving probably going to be back, it looks like. So, you know, we got ourselves a busy week outside of this next game on Monday against Orlando, and it's going to start getting tough. No, it really is. So that's why for right now, let's just let's just sit back and, and do and just watch this team unfold. I'm very happy, just tied up, very happy that Tyrese Halliburton did not have, you know, extended period where he was out. I really think that would have taken the wind out of the sail over here for this Pacers team to be without Halliburton, be without Duarte. At that point, you know, it wouldn't have been the same. So I'm very happy that Tyrese is happy, healthy, and uh you know, at this point, hey, I'm, I'm thrilled to watch this team. And, Alex, I'm ready to wrap if you are. Absolutely, Fachi. So let the people know where they can find us so you can go watch the rest of the Denver Broncos game. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And, Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, you guys can head on over to YouTube at youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. We will be having another episode of the Blue and Golden out this Tuesday. Myself and Tony East of Locked On Pacers will be doing that, and we'll actually be posting that audio version on the feed once again, just so we can wrap out the month of November for you guys with some more content. So that'll be available here on the Setting the Pace podcast feed as well. But if you like watching the YouTube video, me and Tony will be doing that uh, on there for the Blue and Golden. But with that being said, watching. If you think that Buddy Hill is the best three-point shooter we've had in the last five seasons, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping